0: We need to talk about ideas, good ones and bad ones. We need to learn stuff about the world. We need an honest, intelligent, thought-provoking and entertaining review of what the hell happened on this planet in the last seven days. We need to sit back and listen to The Iron Fist and The Velvet Glove. We're back
1: for a normal episode, The Iron Fist and The Velvet Glove. Normal as in it's Joe and Scott and myself. No Liam, no de- no big debate, or maybe just a series of minor debates. I
0: was going to say that we're normal is debatable. That's true. <laughs> and
1: we're going to talk about news and politics and sex and religion. And I'm Trevor, aka The Iron Fist, with me, as
2: always, Scott the Velvet Glove. G'day, Trevor. G'day, Joe. G'day, listeners. I hope you're all doing well.
1: Actually, I've got a little bit of a man flu, so I'm a bit tired. I might not, i only just make it to the 60-minute mark, and then I'm going to Crash out, that's it. And Joe, the tech guy is there as well. Evening all. If you're in the chat room, say hello. As Don and Tanya have already done, you're up and away in the chat room. Good to see. What are we going to talk about? Uh, We'll have a bit of a review of our debate we had with Liam. And also Adelaide Mayor has been promoting no prayers and made some pretty strong statements. And Catholic hospitals mucking up. But the big one will be the ALP National Conference. And this Labor federal government has got no spine, no moral code. It's a shocker. And I'm putting it out there. I think Albanese could go down as one of the worst Labor PMs in history by shuffling through. Not just shuffling through, by I really been quite keen on this whole AUKUS arrangement. That's one of the most dangerous, worst decisions that any government could possibly make. And if he's responsible for carrying out Scott Morrison's shit, oh, I'm going to put him down as the worst. It's, it's a pretty big issue for me. And I, I think he's in danger of falling into that category. Throw him in the stage three tax cuts. I think he's a good candidate. Scott, what do you reckon? Is he off to a good
2: start and worst ever Labor PM? Well, I wasn't around for the Whitlam Prime Ministership. Hawke and Keating were certainly more impressive. Rudd was terribly disappointing. It's a good thing the better half doesn't listen to this because he'd go off at me about saying that. And Julia Gillard, I think, was terribly harshly misjudged by the public. I think that she did cop a hell of a lot of shit. There's something that wasn't really her fault, you know. Mm. What, rolling over on the mineral rent tax? No, the mineral resource rent tax. That was, a, that was a fuck up for sure. You know, I think that she deserved any criticism that she caught for that. But, you know, the whole carbon tax debate thing was elevated and stuck to her. Mm. And the only reason it got called a carbon tax is because the Greens insisted on a fixed price of carbon. So the whole thing looked like a tax.
1: You know, there can be some pretty poor performers who just get nothing done. But yeah, which I think the, the risk didn't is go
2: down the, looking like that.
1: Well, no, he's going to get something done. He's going to get this AUKUS deal done. That's the problem. He's going to actually implement this whole AUKUS thing. It's incredibly dangerous. Anyway, we'll talk about that. That's, that's on the agenda. Right. Scott, I should have. I've been. you see different things on Facebook or whatever about artificial intelligence tools. And I came across. One, it was just like a list of AI tools that you should be using, and if you're not you're not maximizing your performance sort of thing. And there's a list of twenty of them. I quickly sort of looked through them. Number one, chat GPT. Number two, kick resume, advanced AI resume and cover letter builder. Okay. another one, scribble diffusion, transform your sketches into refined images. Number four caught my eye, which was prayer. Pray, Jen. Personalised prayer generation for different occasions. Oh, I want one of those, Scott. I was thinking I should have used it last week. I put in a prompt. I said, "Write a prayer seeking wisdom for someone who is about to enter a public debate." It gave me back, Heavenly Father, we come before you seeking your divine wisdom and guidance for our friend who is preparing to enter a public debate. We know you are the source of all knowledge and understanding, so we ask you empower them to speak truthfully and confidently during this debate.
0: So I'm it guessing goes on it's a Christian prayer book, then.
1: Yes, although it did have, I did answer stuff for Satanisms, and yeah. I, it kept giving me prayers against Satan. So yeah,
0: yeah. disappointed.
1: Anyway, Scott, I didn't say the prayer, but last week was good with Liam, and just before we started. We were just reflecting on it and you said you'd listened to the podcast mm-hmm. and you had I would some like to debate thoughts.
2: Yeah, I would like to backtrack my comment over the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. I think that was a bridge too far. And it wasn't really aimed at the Greens or anything like that, saying that they were communists. I think it was aimed more at Liam and his generation, in that I think that they are Possibly a little bit enamored with the old Soviet Union, and don't roll your eyes at me, Trevor. I don't think Liam was said anything about the Soviet Union. No, I don't think Liam said, no, I think Liam said it. It's just, I was just thinking. I was just thinking of the, the that generation. I think that generation is possibly enamored with the Soviet Union. Yeah, and it's one of those things. I.
1: Liam's in the chat room and he just said, all is forgiven, comrade.
0: <laughs> I, I do remember having a discussion with someone of a similar age and he, and he was saying, well, yeah, I, I've got no problem with the police snooping on all my traffic. I've mm. got nothing to hide. Mm. And I thought, yeah, grow up with an Eastern European uh, of my generation and you wouldn't be saying that. Ooh. Yeah, just because the police aren't corrupt now doesn't mean they won't be in the future. And exactly. also... Police are people, and some people are cunts. Well, for sure. Yeah. Hey, at least they won the Second World War for us.
2: Well, there is that. Well, they did, and you know, I know the Yanks always like to beat their chest, saying that they won the Second World War. Well, they didn't. If, if the Soviet Union hadn't have actually put up the fight they did, then and the Second World War would have would have possibly been in. A different but but they field. were
0: happy to sit on the sidelines until Hitler kicked until off. Hitler invaded them. Yes, yeah. exactly. Hmm. Yeah. So, Scott,
1: we left with you thinking you would possibly vote Senate but not House of Reps.
2: Yes, and the whole point is, after looking at the National Conference and all that type of thing, to see how stage-managed it has become. Now, although the Greens don't actually allow the television cameras into their National Conference, the ALP still does, but they have very much stage managed out all the opposition so that the government just gets it, it gets its way. That is terribly disappointing to see that. And I honestly believe that the only thing that's going to kick the Labour Party in the arse strongly enough is to lose a significant percentage of their primary vote. So as much as it pains me to say this, I am recommending everyone vote for the Greens. And, and you yourself? I you will vote make... for the Greens also. There you go, Liam. Fuck you it. have achieved something
1: with that podcast.
2: I well don't done. like it. I it just goes absolutely... to show
0: opinions can be changed. And Now, Trevor, you do realise if you keep this short, we could all switch over and watch the ABC Kitchen Cabinet.
2: <laughs> with, oh, actually, with, something very interesting happened on the ABC today. The hang, hang on Bud a second. Has,
1: let's just sit back to kitchen cabinet. Who who is who is she w- with this time? Mister Potato Head.
0: All oh, right, Peter Dutton. Peter Dutton. The uh, new News Corpse has had no less than three articles today revealing what he's saying on the TV show tonight, uh, and saying you know. Uh, how much he's got PTSD from being a copper and the, the family mistake that or, that he regrets uh, and then something about the murder of a child that was 50 years ago and I've no idea how he was involved in the case. Okay,
1: so he's leaked to the Murdoch press. Somebody at About has. the ABC,
0: yes. About how wonderful his interview is going to be. It, it's that, whitewashing him, basically. That is such a
1: terrible program that just... You know, she argues, oh, you see the real politician when they're in the kitchen and they, and they reveal some of their inner self. Mm-hmm. What a crock of shit. Like, they know the cameras are there. These guys are performers. Doesn't reveal anything about them. Just gives them another chance to to. to just a terrible show. Sorry, Scott, you were going to say something else about ABC. Oh, yes, yeah.
2: Ida Butros uh, has called it quits. She's hmm. going to resign at the end of her term next March. I didn't realize she was 81 years old. She's too fucking old to be in that, in that mm-hmm. role, in my opinion.
1: Based on her performance, she was every day of that 81. She yeah, I know. It's one of
2: those things, like, at least you can understand. It makes some of the crazy decisions she made more understandable because of her age. It's one of those things, I, I just honestly believe that we've got to have a maximum age that you can go into government-appointed roles. And I think that's something that, because how long has she been in for? She's been in for six or seven years, hasn't she? Yeah, it's, well,
1: it's been a while, probably about five at least.
2: Yeah, well, see, she must have been 75, 76 when she took on the role. That's far too fucking old. mm. You know, yeah. I know, I know that I'm going to get called ageist and everything else, but I honestly believe that. Uh, but if you get them too young, then they'll be left-leaning. <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh-huh. think you're going to have a problem if you choose someone that's 45 or 55 or something like that. Right. You're going to have a balanced sort of view of the world. If you put someone in there that was 25, then I think you've got a problem that you're going to have someone out there that's going to be beating the drums for the greens and that sort of thing. But if you grab someone that was, you know, 50 to 55, you're going to have a reasonable age and that sort of thing in that role. Because of course Trevor and I are beating the drums for the greens. Yeah, I know you are both beating the drums for the Greens very disappointingly. (laughs) And you will be beating the drum as well now, Scott. No, I will not be beating the drums for the Greens. I'm going to very quietly, you know, if anyone asks and that sort of stuff, I'm going to tell them why I'm voting Green and that type of thing. Okay. And I honestly hope that this is the last time that I will have to do it because I hope that the ALP actually realizes the mistake they've made and actually does something that's makes them electable again. Mm. One of the comments, I think it was on the Facebook page, was
1: by somebody who said that the Greens didn't even exist until nine years after the Franklin River Dam was cancelled. Yeah. And so, yeah, Franklin River Dam dispute was between 1978 and 83 and the formation of the Federal Greens Party was in 1992. So that was a, a good point. Because that was part of your objection was the Franklin River Dam, and and that was a okay. The green, the federal Greens was made up of people who'd been around a long time in state-based Greens organisations, no doubt. But
2: well, Christine Mill, Christine Mill, and Bob Brown took part in that whole protest. Yes, but they were leading it and that type of thing. The two of them went on to have stellar, stellar political careers with the Greens.
1: Yeah. Still a good point by the commentators to say, hang on a minute, the party wasn't even around for another nine years. So well, you can hardly blame them too badly for what happened. But anyway. That was, was a suicide.
2: I think it's, no. uh, I honestly believe that the Greens had their genesis with that whole protest movement. You know,
1: I should probably shut up just in case I convince you to go, you start going back the other way. I should no, just stop.
2: It's one of those things I just think to myself that the Greens had their genesis with the Franklin River Dam. Mm. It was one of those things that captured the national attention and that type of thing, whereas prior to that, you had the Lake Pedder controversy, which, oh, I don't know, when it was flooded, it was flooded in the 60s or 70s or something like that. Now, that was a beautiful lake. You know, they had absolute white beach, beaches and that sort of stuff that, that were flooded. and. You know, there wasn't the national protest or anything else and they had they had the protest. It was a different time for sure. Now, you know, there was the Franklin River Dam, which was taken over. Sorry. And then you you had to mention the the drum again. The dam again. (laughs) Anyway, it's one of those things You, you actually have to look at the protesters and that sort of stuff that made the name for themselves in the Franklin River Dam protest, and they had a history of being back in the Lake Pedder protest, but yes. it was only ever, it was only ever confined to Tasmania, that protest, whereas the Franklin River Dam became a national protest.
0: You see, so Joe would never have stood for a thing like that.
2: No, Joe did actually do a hell of a lot of stuff that was wrong. Mm.
0: Okay, but, we're into ancient history there.
2: Yeah. yeah, I know, it was ancient history, but, yeah. you know, Melky Peterson was a corrupt bastard and everything else, however. You know, if you really want to be charitable about it and all that sort of stuff, he was a premier for Queensland and he did actually stand for Queensland. He was a Queenslander first more than anything else. And if you didn't have Beelke Peterson doing what he did, then I honestly believe that Queensland would be stuck down there in the southeast corner and none of the... None of the growth would actually happen outside of the southeast
1: corner. Wow. I never thought we'd get to positive words about J.B. Jockey Peterson. on this That podcast. is the only thing
2: but... I'd actually say positive about him. Did I actually when... think he was corrupt? Absolutely, <laughs> I do. Hang on. There's, there's another positive thing about him. He's no right. longer with us. Yeah, that's right. From... Well, he's dead and so is his wife too. You know, they're both dead. So. In the pumpkin
1: scones. Hey, last <laughs> week I mentioned, well, in talking with Liam, about yeah, other podcasts, and the one he listens to is decoding the gurus.
2: Oh, I have started listening to that. Yeah, so they did one on Noam Chomsky, and yeah, that's three hours worth. So I'm going to save that for Friday when I drive down to. the Yes,
1: Liam, if you're still in the chat room, did you listen to the Noam Chomsky one, and what did you think? So John had questions about what you thought. Hmm, the two guys I knew from previous stuff that they. Really have no time for the whole. Russia was, what's the word, goaded into this, or they really aren't prepared to place much guilt on America for the events that led up to this. So, Do
2: do you mean the invasion of Ukraine?
1: Well, the the overthrow of the previous. Ukrainian governments in coups organized by America as well as the, you know, the bringing in of, of Baltic countries into NATO as a provocation, if you like. They don't really see any provocation as meaningful in the whole scheme of things. So I knew that from their previous discussions with people. So really the criticism of Noam Chomsky wasn't so much that he was guru-esque, they just disagreed with a couple of his thoughts on different things. So anyway, quite entertaining, another view on it. So, And Liam says, their political commentary I don't find their best. I agree with you. You know, when they do ones on Jordan Peterson or even Sam Harris or others and they get stuck in them, I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they turned on Nairn Chomsky, I was like, oh, hang on a minute, that's not quite right, that's not quite right. I so, wonder so if you've, it's because
0: I'm my... your previous biases.
1: Exactly, yes. So I wonder whether I, on the other episodes, whether they were as clever as I thought they were or whether it was just because I was agreeing with their content. Interesting. Anyway, didn't think it was their best either. Right. Anyway, I still highly recommend the podcast. Very interesting. Decoding the gurus. Listen to that. Right. What else have we got here? Okay. Adelaide Mayor. So, Joe, you found this. Was this you, Joe? Or... I don't think so. No, somebody. Rationalist? Maybe from the rationalists. So they've been having an argument about prayers. And they basically changed the arrangement so that there's a moment of silence. So if you want to say a prayer, the idea is that you just do it silently in your head. And one of the other counsellors, a Christian nutbag, has been really militant about saying his prayers loudly. And the chair has had to call him up all the time about it, and so anyway, that's that kerfuffle. But so,
0: so you know, when you're learning to read, and you haven't quite got to that point yet where you can read internally, you read out loud. <laughs> yes. maybe, maybe he's just <laughs> slow at reading. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he's mentally challenged, and this is why. Yeah. That, that that could be it. That
1: could be it. So anyway, I've got a video here now. Let me just see if I can do this. Here we go. I'll play the mayor. Body being so blunt and forceful in the language. You don't hear that too often, where a politician really puts it out there. Says what fairly, they mean. In fairly blunt language. They're, they're, so, yeah, it's just refreshing from that point of view. Good honour.
0: Absolutely. E- except he except. then carried on reading out the, the Lord's Prayer aloud uh, to applause from all of the sheep in the crowd who'd mm. been bust in. Mm. So one wonders what happens when a Satanist decides that it, it's their turn to say a prayer.
2: I don't think the Satanists will actually do that. Because well, they
1: won't in that situation, no.
2: No, because you, you've got someone that's actually categorically said you can't have a prayer in this in this chamber. You know, I agreed wholeheartedly with this, and it's, you know it's a long-standing tradition in Australia where we separate church and state. Bang on the money, you know it's.
0: However, apparently, standing orders say that a prayer has to be written in the agenda. Mm. But it, it doesn't, doesn't say, say it to be read out, and it doesn't say to which God. Right. So I yeah. wonder the kerfuffle if it was a Muslim prayer that was mm. printed in the agenda. Whether he would be so keen to read it out. Of course.
1: But this is a Christian country, Joe.
0: Of course it is. Yeah. It it says so in the founding documents. It says that Christianity is the one true religion of Australia. Oh, wait, it doesn't. So
1: anyway, just refreshing to hear a politician just sticking it to the whole idea of prayer. That was good. Hmm. Okay, you did send me this one, Joe. Sarah, a Melbourne mother, was pregnant with her second child and her GP gave her the surprise warning. If she had any complications or concerns about the viability of the pregnancy, she should go to the Royal Women's Hospital rather than the Mercy Hospital, which is where she was going to go, provided everything went well. And the reason, of course, was that. Every
0: sperm is sacred?
1: Yes. Had a Catholic, it was a Catholic hospital. And. They don't assist when pregnancy needs to be terminated, even for unviable fetuses or fetuses with major issues. So, And in fact, as the story goes on to say, if you have a caesarean, for example, and then want your tubes tied, then nope, not going to do that here.
0: And if you want any form of contraception, nope, not doing that in it here. Yeah, we, we can provide you with the pill for heavy periods or for any number of other reasons. We can't give it for contraception.
1: Yes. Safe to write a different reason.
0: Mm -hmm. So we've done this
1: before, uh, particularly with the martyr here in Brisbane. So this Article in the Guardian runs through a whole host of hospitals around the country where this happens.
0: Including Uh, the the martyr, yes.
1: Yes. The Mercy is one of fifteen Catholic public hospitals in Australia. Five of them providing specialist maternity or gynecology care. And despite public funding, they're bound by the Catholic Health Australia's Code of Ethics, prohibiting birth control, IVF and abortions, even after rape.
0: Except the CHA have said, no, 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 that's not at all what we said. We believe in the best health outcome for the woman, no matter what it is. But apparently... Uh, If the
2: child's going to kill her and all that sort of stuff, you can't terminate the pregnancy is the best thing for that woman, is it? Apparently, mm. yeah. Okay,
1: but wait—we've got a secular Labor federal government in place. Surely they'll come riding to the yeah. rescue on this one. No. In July, the Prime Minister Anthony Albanese indicated the federal government was unlikely to go as far as requiring public hospitals to provide abortions in return for their funding.
2: Thanks See, a that lot, was Albo. Absolutely ridiculous. Mm. Yeah. And it's that sort of shit that's going to force more and more people into the Greens and that's going to hopefully cause the Labor Party to take a long, hard look at themselves and then they might actually start to move just a little bit further to the left.
1: There was a federal Senate inquiry and the chair was Green Senator Larissa Waters And she's made it clear that as far as the Greens are concerned, abortion care is basic health care, and the Greens believe that means it should be available at any public hospital with no out-of-pocket costs. Good on you, Greens. Another
0: reason. I I did see that Children by Choice were also quoted in there. Hmm. Uh, And if people haven't heard of Children by Choice, they're a good charity. They provide funding for Women who are less fortunate to be able to travel if they are unable to get a health assistance, especially around pregnancy in their local area, they help them to travel and obtain it in a major city. Mm.
1: There's a quote from this Larissa Waters from the Greens, which is given Labor has ruled out returning to its 2019 position of mandating hospitals provide abortion care as a condition of receiving taxpayer funding. We want to see a commitment to funding, basically funding it other, Because they're saying that even if you can't get it in the Catholic system, there's not enough funding in the other systems. So they're saying, if you're not going to at least force the Catholics to do it, you need to provide funding in the non-Catholic public sector. And, but she's made the point that their 2019 position was, this is the Labour Party had the position, of mandating hospitals provide abortion care as a condition of receiving public funding. So they've shifted Who from that. Who was
2: apps. the leader then? Was that Shorten or was that Albanese? I, I mean, 19 Shorten, had
1: to have been Shorten. Yeah. Mm.
2: See, it's amazing how, how quickly everything changes if you get the wrong man at the top job.
1: Well, it's all connected, Scott, this issue, and AUKUS. Can you believe it? Can you believe that there's a thread that, ties these two issues together.
2: No, not really. But anyway, do explain.
1: Factions,
2: Scott. Yeah, I know there's factions and all that sort of shit. And, uh, you know, mm. the, the, the factional deals and everything that Albanese has been very good at stitching up, you can see his fingerprints are all over that to knock, knock on the head any debate about AUKUS.
1: So apparently there is Albanese got in because he's part of the left that did a deal with Richard Miles, who's on the right, and they got together, and that's how Albanese got in. Miles is the deputy. Penny Wong from South Australia got a collection of South Australian votes in. That's why she's foreign minister. And they're all ganging up against Bill Shorten and his crew, and also the Shoppies, and also the AWU. So this is all according to Guy Rundle writing in Crikey, and he basically, in the article, explains that factional arrangement. And the problem is that, of course, while Albanese is technically supposed to be on the left, he's having to keep Richard Miles and the right wing, this sort of right faction happy in order to maintain this coalition of factions against it, the others.
0: Is that why Richard Miles is getting slush funds to fly around the country? Yeah.
1: Is Rich, Is he flying around as much as uh, Albo? Is uh, he?
0: Apparently, he's run a million dollars in private VIP travel right since the beginning of the year. Shit, he must be doing S- a
1: fuckload of travel. So we've mentioned Miles before as heavily right-wing when it comes to military matters and also Christian matters. Remember that? No? I don't remember his Christianity anyway. Yes. So it would make sense that Albanese... So he, he, he's not
0: just Christian, he's a theocrat.
1: Yes. So it makes sense that Albanese is also going conservative on things like... Catholic hospitals having to provide abortions because this right-wing deal that he's got going with Miles means he's got to.
2: Okay, but he yeah.
1: can't do things like pull the Catholics into line because Miles wouldn't want that.
2: That's I know Miles wouldn't want
1: that. It's all but, part of their factional deal. Well, Miles
2: wouldn't want it, but surely you could actually sit him down and say. You're on the wrong side of history there. You know, the most, most of the country actually wants this, so we're going to have to go yeah, ahead and do it.
0: You're on the wrong side of the cabinet there. What, what, what are you doing in the Labour Party? Why are you in the LNP? Well,
1: apparently the right faction views the left faction as being worse than the LNP. It's amazing right. that these two sides have got together. As a single party. It's, as as a coalition of factions, but they're drawn together by their hatred of Bill (laughs) Shulton. Right. Is is the line that Guy Rundle's saying. So very right-wing, militaristic, nationalistic. And it goes hand-in-hand with the Christian theocrats as well. And in the chat room, John, who's a Labor Party member, says, I think that is a stretch, Trev. Well, John, read the article by Guy Rundle in Crikey and, and tell me which part you disagree with. So that's, that, that was his line. Uh, now He, he might be wrong. He might have got it wrong, but it's a, the I Labor, look at this. Sorry, go ahead.
0: The, the Labour conference recently, again, News Corp's, great big headline about how the loony left has tried to bring down because they voted against AUKUS and how that's going to be destabilizing for the party and how AUKUS is the best thing ever. Yeah. So there was there was a whole article about the loony Left faction.
1: Yeah.
0: Because I look at
1: Albanese on the face of it, seems a just an ordinary guy. The whole AUKUS thing is so terrible. Just a terrible dart of a decision. You just think, why? You've got people telling you lots of older statesmen in the party, from Paul Keating to is to, it John Carr? What's the guy's name? Uh, the former New South Wales Premier,
3: Bob, oh, Bob Carr, a
1: whole range of senior Labor people saying this is a stupid idea. That's not just stupid, dangerous. Why is he doing it? Well, it makes sense to stay in power, keep his faction strong, and to keep the Shorten AW Shoppies faction
2: down. It makes
1: complete sense to me. <laughs>
2: I tend to agree with John there. It's probably a little bit of a stretch, but you know, it's one of those things. Yeah. It, it could be right, you know, because it is—it is very much a factional party. So they do actually have to rely on deals within their party to get a stable leadership. Mm. But it's one of those things. God alone knows how Paul Keating would survive this day and age, because he was the head of the New South Wales right, wasn't he? Yes, he was. So right. it makes you wonder how he could how he could have been seen as a right-wing faction and all that sort of stuff, considering what he's actually said about AUKUS, you know, and also considering what he's said about China too.
1: Mm. There we go. As Guy Rundle says, if you think that really even the Labor Party could not determine a decades-long half-trillion-dollar commitment, based on factional manoeuvres. Ha, 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 ha. I'd like to introduce you to the Labour Party. So he goes into quite some detail about the players. On the face of it, sounds like he knows what he's talking about. It is an explanation to me. And what you've got to do is look at Albanese's words from his youth. I say his youth. Back when Labour was complaining about John Howard entering the war with Iraq, Iraq. And the sorts of things that, the sorts of things that Albanese was saying in twentieth of March, 2003, 20 years ago about this. He said, our government is about to redefine us in the eyes of the world as willing backers of U.S. militarism. Just three nations are sending troops, the United States, the United Kingdom and Australia. What does that say about the sort of nation that we are? We are a multicultural nation, and yet here we are sending a message, particularly to the Islamic world, that we are part of the old white Anglo-Christian order. It was the the Coalition
0: of the Drilling, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. That's what he was saying 20 years ago. And he's evolved since. Yes. Not in the right direction. What else did he say here? In 1954, at the height of the Cold War, Prime Minister Menzies agreed to the British request for a permanent site to test nuclear weapons, Maralinga. This was a political decision by a government that was subservient to the British government, and today there are parallels with the Australian government being once again subservient to the decisions of a foreign power.
0: You see the problem there? It was Maralinga and not Maralago. Yes.
1: Just as today, the result of the decision to enter a war in Iraq has very negative consequences but for our national sovereignty. Certainly in the 50s, the subservience that the Menzies government showed to its British masters had dire consequences for Australia. So here's a man complaining about subservience to foreign masters entering into an AUKUS deal where one of the major problems with it is a loss of sovereignty. You wouldn't think it's the same guy, but hey,
3: Wants to stay in power. What do you think in the chat room?
0: Amazing how persuasive power and funding can be.
1: Mm. Vested interests. It's really disappointing. So, I have no... You know, they were talking about revisiting the religious discrimination bill. I have no faith. I'm really worried that we're going to get some crazy shit happening with that bill being revived by Labor and all sorts of Christian privilege being allowed in. And, you know, this national conference, just back to this AUKUS, you know, no real debate, just on the numbers. Debate was stifled. A few people had to make statements, but it wasn't. The toing and froing, of vigorous debate that it could have been.
2: Well, there was no debate, from what I saw.
1: Yeah, just some statements.
2: You know, it's it is extremely disappointing because you know when Hawke and Keating were in charge of the party, they allowed debate. In fact, they encouraged debate, and you you saw two members of the same cabinet, that sort of stuff, going at each other, hammer and tongs. At the end of it all, they shook hands, and they agreed. They agreed to fight for what had actually been put up at the, at the national conference. Mm. Uh, it's incredibly disappointing to see what has actually happened to the Labor Party, how piss-weak they have become.
1: Mm. Yep, it is really disappointing. So huh, we'll see what happens with that one. Yeah, I don't think there was a lot else to say there except... It seems to me Albanese is there, he's intent on having multiple terms and afraid to get anything done, lacking the courage to to argue for something, to lead, he will just try and well, sneak like in Matt without Turnbull. doing anything.
3: Hmm.
1: Same thing you're saying?
0: Another lame duck. They're, yeah. at, they're, they're at the will of the yeah. opposition, the uh, opposite faction in his party. Hmm. Uh, and too afraid it, to take them on. Mm. It's
2: one of those things, I, I think to myself, Turnbull was very disappointing, but I could understand why he was so disappointing because, you know, Abbott and all them, they weren't going to let him move. The National Party insisted in the new coalition agreement that they had to go ahead with the net, with the plebiscite on same-sex marriage, not just have a a vote in the parliament, you know, all that sort of crap, you know. It's one of those things that was incredibly disappointing.
1: Yeah. So so anyway, that was the ALP National Conference. And it's not looking good if you are hoping that this Labor government was going to do anything like what you would hope from a progressive Labor government. And I'm really worried about what might happen with religious privilege with this mob. See what happens as it proceeds. I forgot to mention last week that Liam is one of our patrons, and it is a long time since I've run through the list of patrons. So I'm going to do it now and send out a thank you to the patrons. You can do this, dear listener. Just go to Patreon and look up Iron Fist Velvet Glove, and you'll see donations. There's actually a donation link link in the show notes of this episode. You don't get harangued all the time, do you? Probably not enough. In fact.
2: I at at f- swear you got the ass hanging I'm, out of your jeans. I'm journal. looking at the <laughs> I'm looking I'm looking at the figures here. How
1: many how many new patrons do you think we've had in 2023, Scott? Barely two. Zero. Really? I haven't had a new patron since Danny Borland, the 7th of November, 2022. If you're listening to this podcast and you've listened to 20 or 25 episodes and you know what you're getting, and you haven't signed up, then shame on you is all I can say. It's about the principle. (laughs) All right. I'm going to say thank you. And because if you become a patron, guess what? You don't get your name read out like on other podcasts every week. It's probably, you're lucky if it's every six months, but you've got resilience and fortitude. You don't need the pat on the back every week.
0: I I put up the QR code thinking it was going to be a link off to the Patreon and it turns (laughs) out something to Education Department. Oh, I have it? no idea why. <laughs> what
1: happened there? Okay. Show notes. You'll see a link. Big thanks to the current patrons. Danny Borland, Obrad Puskarika, anti-US sentiment, Mark Lavelle, Tom Stubbings. Actually, the first four were for 2022. Then we got four from 2021. Tom Stubbings, Rico, Greg P. and Shane And then in 2020, that was a good year. 2020, there was a bit. 10 or 12, which was Matt Dwyer, Sue Cripp, James Lean. James was actually in the chat room there somewhere. Hello, James. Branwyn, Wayne, David Hanby, Virgil, Craig Ball, Shane Ingram, Zambach, David Copley, and Graham Hannigan. And also who started in 2019 and who's in the chat room, John in Dire Straits, Donnie Darko, Camille, Tom Doolan, Paul Waper, it's Paul from Canberra, Alexander, Allen, Matthew, Craig S., Glenn Bell, Professor, Doctor, Dentist, Adam Priest, Murray Waper, and Andy Dowling. And still from 2018, there was another 10. There was Peter Gillespie, Gavin S., Daniel Curtin, Liam McMahon. Liam, you started with us 5th of September 2018 as a patron. Thanks for sticking around. Dominic DeMassi, Matic Man, Ronwin. Is Broman in the chat room? I think. She might have been. Not seen her. Roman was with us since the 2nd of June, 2018. Kane Birch, Jimmy Spud, Tony Wall and Steve Shinners. Way back in 2017, starting with us was Allison. Hello, Allison. And Bev, who is in the chat, who's listening as well. There's a QR code Joe's put up, leveling. That will help you. Amai, Wayno and Craig was a patron way back from 2017, still with us. That's and the longest serving, throat. yes, that's Deep throat Craig, yeah. and the longest serving Janelle Louise from December 2016. A lot of people have been sticking with the podcast for a long time
2: there. I people just think we, people I, don't know how to actually kill I, off the... They don't, don't know how to get <laughs> off.
0: And yes, John, you do. It's a special lap dance from Trevor. Yes.
1: John asks, do we get a long service prize? <laughs> Some people don't like Patreon, and they just do a deposit one-off or regulate through PayPal. That includes Mr. T, Anne Reid, Darren Giddens, Dave S from Cairns, and Noel Hamilton. Thank you to those people. And it is much appreciated, even though you don't get mentioned all that often. Yeah. So, tell you, friends, like, to be honest, the podcast probably only gets about 250 downloads in the first week. So, having about 50 people as a patron out of 250 it's quite that's a good, game. good that's quite a high percentage you don't want to miss out on the warm fuzzy feeling that you will get knowing that you're just part of the family and if you but if you're short on money like you're a student or you're unemployed or in your hard times don't do it just keep your money it's well, really this is pitched at baby boomers with the second property <laughs> <laughs> Contemplating a French holiday. That's, that's, who it's, that's who it's aimed at.
2: Yeah, right. you, you're hanging out at me because I've got two properties and I'm also planning a European trip next year too. Oh, I so. didn't know that. No, I didn't know that, Scott. But no, that's, yeah.
1: you know, so no. And even somebody like Lee's on Times, I think. But what Lee sends me lovely messages every week. He's obviously listening and he's commenting. And that's that's as good as a donation, even better. So,
2: You'll have to share with me what he said about our performance last week. Then you? you should be able to see it. You should be
0: able to see it as an admin. I, should... I haven't been pinged recently, actually, to say that yeah. there's a new message. But... Okay. They're there. He's quite prolific. So, anyway.
2: I'm not an admin, I don't think. Oh, we'll,
1: we'll make you one so you okay. can see them. Yeah. Okay. What else have I got here? How's that counter-offensive going in the Ukraine?
2: It is very, very slow, and it is also costing them a hell of a lot of so- r- troops and resources. Hmm. So I honestly believe now is the time to actually say to the Russians, we've fought you to a halt. So I honestly believe it's time for us to talk. Wow. Because anything that's going to continue now is just going to throw more Ukrainian men into the meat grinder. It's going to kill them off, and the Russians... They look like they've only got as far as they've got because of whatever. So it's probably time for them to start to talk to the Russians. Now, whether or not you can actually trust anything that comes out of Vladimir Putin's mouth, I don't think you can, but it's one of those things.
1: You're going to have to hope, aren't you? They're dug in and you're going to hope they're going to stick to their position. But
0: the Russians aren't going to give up because they think the US is going to give up and the West is going to give up. Stop providing um, weapons and therefore Russia will prevail in the end and Ukraine will no longer exist, other than as a noblast in the the former, the great Soviet empire.
2: If Donald Trump was in the White House, I'd agree with that. And I agree with that. And that's the thing I think to myself that the war would be over overnight if Donald Trump actually won the presidency because... He would actually lean on the Ukrainians. He wouldn't give them anything, and then the West would back away from them, and then they'd be open to to be to be overrun by the Soviet Union, well, by the Russians.
0: So it's come in dribs and drabs. the 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 Americans were worried at the beginning that any aid they gave would end up in Russian hands. Yeah, now they've realised that 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 that's not the case. Ukraine is actually
2: going to put up a decent fight,
0: but they're they're still not willing to put in the resources that Ukraine needs to fight Russia.
2: I know, which is one of the things that, do I actually believe they should be getting the jets and that sort of stuff? I don't know about that because if you give them those jets and that type of thing, that would be an open invitation for the Ukrainians to start attacking things behind the Russian They already are. Yeah, I know, but you know, they're they're doing it. And
0: again, they've been hamstrung already by any Western munitions are not allowed to be used, I don't even think, in Crimea let alone into Russia itself. So they've been cobbling together their own drones and have been doing not a huge amount, but enough to make Russians realize that this isn't all one-sided. Because exactly. obviously the, the Russian press is not reporting Russia's defeat. Although the, the, the average person is going, why are we having all these call-ups if we're doing so well? And suddenly, why are we having all these drone strikes in the middle of Moscow if we're winning this war?
2: Yeah, and I agree with you. It's one of those things. It, it's I don't think that I don't think that you could trust. I don't think you could trust anything that comes out of Putin's mouth. He's a liar, you know. He's a thug and a liar, and he's a he's a KGB agent through and through. Well, he
1: said there's a red line. If you cross it, we're going to do something. He actually, actually did what he said he was going to do. Well,
2: like, this is back in the agreement, wasn't it? Like, yeah, like he said, this this is it. There's
1: a red line here.
2: Which is what? Like you don't. You don't. NATO, NATO membership. membership. Yes. yes. Well, they didn't, actually, they didn't actually apply for NATO membership. Uh, well, they, were, the, the,
0: they, were, they were way off NATO membership, and the, the second they got invaded, NATO membership was no longer on the table, because NATO won't accept anyone that's in a state of conflict. However, he has managed to push Sweden and Finland into NATO, hasn't he?
2: Yes, and that is one of the things that I, I think to myself, that is the only victory that, that the West can actually put on their hand, hand on their heart and say, well, you know, we've won with we've won with Sweden and, and Finland.
1: Well, they could have done that anytime.
2: Well, But they didn't yeah, they want to. They could have done that, but they didn't want they, to until they, they actually oh. saw what would actually happen if they decided to st- stay on their own. Um, I, I can just, understand just
0: a, a lot of non-aligned states looking at Russia and going, fuck we get invaded if we do anything to upset him, unless we are very, very strongly aligned, i.e. Belarusia. And mm. who knows what's going to happen about that, because mm. it sounds like that may become a protectorate very soon.
2: Belarusia, Belarusia is, is, is very, very, very quickly going to fall into the Russian orbit. So any, you know.
0: any state that isn't aligned in that direction, who just wants to stay independent, is going to be looking very closely at joining NATO Just because they're worried about Russian tanks rolling over their border.
2: Just like the three Baltic states.
0: Of course they were. But, But the whole point of NATO
1: is providing dirt that you can put missiles on that will then land in Moscow in less than seven minutes. And the closer you get, the more worried Moscow gets. And US ambassadors, US diplomats, everyone from Henry Kissinger down has said, You've got to maintain some neutral territory here, because Russia but will not accept. Neutral territory no doesn't up. stay
0: neutral; it becomes Russian. Well, well, the Russians have already invaded half of Eastern Europe in the past, and they have long memories. They're going Soviet tanks rolled in in 1950, whatever.
1: So uh, all of these experts were wrong. From Miersheimer, Kissinger, US embassy, US ambassadors. Any number of foreign experts deep within the US, like this isn't just the Greeks or Italians. This is high up officials in foreign affairs, in American foreign policy, who said, this is a big mistake.
0: Don't do it. So they're all wrong. Any blame to be laid is all about the whole letting Yeltsin, keeping Yeltsin in power when he was obviously corrupt and building an oligarchy because it suited them rather than calling out the corruption, which led to Putin coming into power. Mm-hmm. Basically had America, apparently was it Gorbachev mm-hmm. came to America and said, we need a billion dollars to rebuild the economy. We're going to get rid of the Soviet Union. We need to rebuild, do it properly. Let's have a free and open economy. And America said, no, you're doing fine. Get on with it. And Yeltsin came in and sold off everything to the cheapest possible bidder.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, Gorbachev said, we're going to need money in order to to enter the world trade system as a proper industrialised country. And the Americans said, well, you know what? If you'd have come to us and said, give us X trillion of dollars and we'll break up the Soviet Union, we would have paid it. But you did it for free and we didn't have to pay you so now why should we give you any money like that's essentially what they said so but just getting back to the counter offensive Scott sounds like you're at the point where you're saying the counter offensive has stalled and is stalled for good and now it's just a meat grinder where there's just going to be Ukrainian lives lost for yeah, no good that. reason is that a good I not no
2: good reason I wouldn't say it's for no good reason but it is it is looking like that the meat grinder is already starting up because you've got heavily fortified positions that the Russians control. The only way to do that is to have what I would consider to be an unacceptable loss rate. Mm. But, you know, the Western allies are talking about that the Ukrainians don't want to have an acceptable loss rate to break down those Russian fortifications. No, they they want more ammunition. Yeah, I know they want more ammunition, but it's one of those things, like, there was something that Trevor sent out that I was reading earlier today that... I'll read some of it now. That was something that was talking about uh, the Ukrainians uh, aren't prepared to lose enough people for it or something, wasn't it? Correct. So,
1: the New York Times has published an article titled Fruit Deaths and Injuries in Ukraine War Near 500,000, US Officials Say, reporting that Ukraine... Ukrainian efforts to retake Russia occupied territory have been bogged down in dense Russian minefields under constant fire from artillery and helicopter gunships. The New York Times reports that Ukrainian forces have switched tactics to using artillery and long range missiles instead of plunging into minefields under fire. Then the article gets really freaky. Ukrainian commanders decided the pivot. Reduce casualties and preserve their frontline fighting force. American officials say they fear that Ukraine has become casualty averse. One reason it has been cautious about pressing ahead with the counteroffensive. Almost any big push against dug in Russian defenders protected by minefields would result in huge numbers of losses. So, this is an called by Caitlin Johnson, and but quoting different people. Western officials have been spending the last few weeks whining to the media that Ukraine's inability to gain ground is due to an irrational aversion to being killed. They've been decrying Ukrainian cowardice in the press under cover of anonymity from behind the safety of their office desks. In an article published Thursday titled, US Intelligence Says Ukraine Will Fail to Meet Offensive, Key Goal, the Washington Post cited anonymous U.S. and Western officials to report that the massive losses Ukraine has been suffering in this counteroffensive had been anticipated in war games ahead of time, but they had, had envisioned Kiev accepting the casualties as the cost of piercing through Russia's main defensive line. And so uh, basically, and, the Americans uh, are whinging. And,
0: and yet the BBC seem to think that they've actually got to... Robertine and there's another town which means they're through the worst of the minefields and, and so once once you've got openings through those minefields you can pour troops in
1: well the new york times who normally has never met a war didn't like or supported mm-hmm. would normally be trying to find positive news i'm surprised they didn't report that same positive report so Anyway, looks to me like the counteroffensive is going nowhere and Ukrainians are rightly saying, this is a meat grinder. We just can't. Like, we've seen movies where young Aussies were in the trenches and some stupid British commander blows a whistle and they're expected to just jump out of the trench and get mown down by machine gun fire and we're just disgusted by it. It's not that different.
0: No, absolutely not. Here. Apart from now, they've got drones instead. If if you've yes. seen
1: the instead of a machine
0: gun, yeah, the reports mm. of what's happening with the drones. Mm. Yeah, I think you definitely have PTSD because those things hunt you down in the trench.
1: Yes. Yeah. You can't even hide behind a mud wall. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. There we go. In the chat room, John said something about a Zoom meeting for patrons. Yes, I will put a note in the patron thing and organise a Zoom meeting, John, so that we can do that. No problem. And Liam in the chat room says, I can't imagine America accepting a loss rate anywhere near the level they're proposing for Ukrainians. Correct. This is a proxy war where the Americans are just getting the Ukrainians to do the fighting.
2: They're clearly not arming them well enough, though, are they?
0: Well, no, I mean, so in an American war, they would have bombed Russian air defences to hell in the first couple of days, and they would have air superiority. Correct. Well,
1: Without air superiority, they would not do what but the for, they're asking but the, the Ukrainians to do.
0: The, the, the former Soviet nations didn't believe in air superiority, they believed in artillery. Hmm. And so the Ukrainians are used to fighting with artillery rather than air superiority. mm all their doctrines based around that, and they just don't have the artillery rounds, which is why they were releasing the expiring cluster munitions. Mm.
1: So anyway, we'll see where that ends up. But looks like the counteroffensive is not going anywhere. I'll be send me a link to that BBC report, Joe. That sounds yeah. interesting. I'll break through the lines it's not being reported. Well, All right. I
2: also read something earlier today that was, oh, I think it was just on. Instagram, which I don't know, if, we didn't really hold a hell of a lot in it, but it was saying that there were two or three towns and that sort of stuff on the outside of Bakhmud that had been taken by Ukraine. So... Yeah, I mean, Bakhmud apparently strategically
0: is is nothing, yeah. but but whilst the, the Russians were losing considerably more men than Ukraine was, the Ukrainians were willing to play that game. Yeah. There were uh,
1: also military tactics where the Russians were letting the Ukrainians win territory so they would then be concentrated in a little town and then just blow the shit out of that town because they knew they were all there then. So that happened quite a bit where they would concede territory on purpose because it would just make it easier to fire a t- artillery at them.
3: Mm.
1: What a mess. All right, well... Yes.
2: Seeing I'm, not, the band- I'm not convinced that it's going to be... All sweetness and light if they do negotiate an end to the fighting now, because you know, it was someone just said there that if Ukraine sues for peace now, Russia will have won. Russia will just just wait ten years and build up and go again. And and
0: Ukraine has said they want all territory back and they want war crimes tribunals for the actions that happened.
1: They're not going to get it.
0: They're
1: going to have to concede to give up the Crimea. The the, the Donbass. They're,
0: they're never going to give up Crimea because they to have to, I, and and nor the Donbass because that's yet more border with Russia over which Russian tanks can pour. That's what they're going
1: to have to do. So well, what they're, they're going to have to do when they say, "Oh well,", well, well I, I think
2: I think that the, I think they're actually going to have to negotiate with the bastard and that sort of stuff and say, "You want that extended border? That's no problem at all as long as you don't block us joining NATO." No, they're
1: not going to be able to do that either.
2: Well, then. There's going to be no. There's going to be no point negotiating with them.
1: They're going to run out of men. They're going to have to.
2: We'll have to wait and see.
1: Mm. Yeah. Okay. I'm That's very enough. pleased
2: that we don't have a big thuggish neighbor like Russia.
1: Hmm. Actually, there was. A, I mean, he's crazy, batshit crazy. That is it Robert F Kennedy Jr. Oh yeah, yeah. he's a
2: lunatic. Yeah.
1: But and he was on a show with another lunatic in Tucker Carlson, but he gives a rundown of the lead-up to the provocation in the Ukraine. It's spot on. Like, stop clocks can be right twice a day. And, mm. yeah, I might put a link in the show notes for that one, but he's he knows what's going on there. Except, you know, it's really bad when you have to say you agree with it nutter like that on his analysis of a situation, when at the same time he's completely batshit crazy on other stuff. So, yeah,
2: yeah, he's he still reckons that the CIA was behind the assassination of his uncle, doesn't
1: he? Well, that might be that. That's, that may not be that batshit crazy stuff. I was thinking more of the of the uh, vaccines, the vaccines, as as his and chemtrails and
3: and stuff like that. That's what I was thinking.
1: Yeah. Okay, we've got to go. I've got man flu. That's an hour. We're done. (laughs) If you've listened to this or you've been listening to the episodes, look in the show notes, see the link. I look forward to seeing you coming on board as a patron, and then I won't make this pathetic plea for another six months. All right. Talk to you later. Bye for now.
0: And it's a good night from me. And it's a good night from him. Scientists have recently discovered that expat
1: tribe members, listening to their musings from both far and wide, have been contributing to the group's well-being and habitat infrastructure through something called Patreon. Some for as little as one dollar a podcast. It really is making a difference, and it's
0: been observed to enrich the tribe as a whole. With contributing members experiencing measured dopamine spikes when new episodes are released,
1: and even intermittent bouts of persistent smiling while listening. Ah, there seems to be movement again. If we listen carefully, we may
0: be able to make out the discussion once more. Fist Glove. Twelfth man. Hard bottom here. Well, listen up, you three leftist libtards. I was pleased to hear that you are overcoming your insanity by subscribing to that fine Murdoch masterpiece, The Australian. To help you in your recovery and ongoing therapy, I have made a contribution. Don't ask me why. Perhaps because I like meerkats. But remember, I have a hessian bag, a brick, and your names are on it if you don't mend your ways.